Thank you for listening to the Renovate Life Church of God's broadcast. Here's today's message from our pastor, James Demmel. Hallelujah. Let me give it to you this way for some of you people that don't understand me jumping around. There is more than enough water in the oceans, the seas, the lakes, the rivers, and the ponds to take care of all the fish ever created because my God is sufficient. There is more foliage in the forest to take care of every animal, insect, bird, spider, anything you can name through every generation because my God is more than sufficient. Are you hearing me? There is more oxygen on this earth to breathe than every generation on earth and before. If we were all here together, there would be enough oxygen to breathe because my God is sufficient. He, listen, will take care of your problem. I don't know if you heard me the first seven times. Your issue, your circumstance, your scenario. Let me add one to the end. Comma, sin. He can take care of it. And we have got to be a people that believe in a God and we're too unprideful to stay in our seats. As a matter of fact, the unprideful person is the person that runs to the altar. There is so much pride in the church today. When is the last time you've seen someone run to the altar? There's more than enough. What water is to fish, to the animals, oxygen, to the humans... Grace is to the believer. There's more than enough. It's sufficient. It's adequate. It's abundant. More than enough. Grace is overabundant, sufficient. And it doesn't have a shortage. Do you know why that we're able to breathe and all the generations on earth would be able to breathe? Because with every death, there is a life. With every ounce of leaves that die, God springs forth more. Why? Because He made this earth sufficient. Why do you think that we're not on the side of the tree huggers? They say, don't cut down the trees because we know our God can build them back up. And if you are, I apologize. Come talk to me and we'll talk about the Bible. Well, pastor, if that's all really there, like you said... Why am I not experiencing His grace? Because while grace is there, it has to be accessed. Lesson number three goes back to lesson number one. We're still talking about accessing the grace. No matter what you do, you have got to access the grace of God. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Philippians 2.12 Wherefore, my beloved... As ye have all, always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now such more in my abundance, or in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He says, now you've always obeyed, but now you're obeying in my absence. Now I'm not there to tell you what to do. This is Paul again. And he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, listen, you, can't, you can understand that verse, but I want you to understand that it's been misquoted a million times. Because we don't go to the second verse and read it. We're like, whoo, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I can be this. I can be that. I can change my gender. I can do this. I can have a billion tattoos. I can blah, 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 blah. And it's okay. Right? But that is not what the Word tells us. Okay? 
Now, don't get me wrong. If you've got tattoos, don't get all bent out of shape. It, we, we understand if you come to the Lord after that. It's okay. Relax. Don't be sending me emails saying you got tattoos. I get it. Philippians 2.13, listen to what it says. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of this good pleasure. What he's saying here, listen. Work out your own salvation. He's not saying talk about your salvation because that's what everybody else is doing and have salvation because that's a trend. Because back in the day, that was a trend. Listen, you got this church that hits the map, right? And these believers are so on fire for God that what happens is they are changing everybody around them. When he says work out your own salvation, he's not saying go against the book and whatever you think is okay is okay. What he's saying is don't do what the friend next to you did because you think it's okay to do it. He's saying work out your salvation with Jesus Christ himself so that God can work through you. Are you hearing me? So, so, the salvation that is working inside of you has to come out and cooperate with the outside of you. That's what he's talking about. Work out your own salvation. So when, it happen, when it's happening to the heart, when you're working out your salvation, what begins to change first? Right? It's your heart. What he's saying is as your heart begins to change, let it work on the outside of you. Let it work. Let people see that God is moving on you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. What is on the inside must come out. Because if it's not coming out, you're not changing. So, what happens in the heart is what happens in the changing of your circumstances. Because if you're heart changes then the outside will change then your sin changes and it's a domino effect anybody know what a domino effect is you ever seen the real fancy things on facebook that are like seven minutes long and they start with a ball and the guy goes bloop and it rolls down this thing and it hits this domino and it goes okay i'm mesmerized by that i can watch like a hundred of them at a time they go up, on, up, up, and around, and they hit a ball, and the ball drops. I, I know, it doesn't take much. But do you, th I mean, think of the time that people spend on putting dominoes together with these little flick things with balls that drop. And I think, to be quite honest with you, man, I wish they'd studied their Bible, because if they were as good at putting dominoes together as they were, were at their Bible, we'd have all kinds of Christians, Right? Anyway, now watch. The Bible says, Paul says, Jesus said, Peter said, whoever your favorite person in the Bible is, it says grace is sufficient. It's more than enough to go around. As a matter of fact, I think that God loves me the most. And if I were to talk to you, you would say, well, God loves me the most. And there is enough of God's love, there is enough of God's grace to go around to everybody sufficiently. You think about how much that is. Now, 
You ever, anybody in here have a power switch? You may only have two outlets on the wall. But if you got a power switch, you can plug into one of those two outlets and all of a sudden you got five outlets. You can run all kinds of stuff all at once. I can be on my iPad with it dead plugged in. I can plug in my cell phone. I can plug in my computer. I can plug in my watch. You believe that you can plug in a watch? Yeah, I can plug in my watch. I can plug in the typewriter that I don't even need anymore. And I can be working on all that stuff at one time. When your grace is involved and it's only you, you got about as much power as one plug in. But the moment that you get a hold of Jesus Christ, it's like the power switch of your life is flipped on. And all of a sudden, things begin to come alive for you. Your senses come alive. Things you didn't know that you had come alive. Why? Because the grace and power of God motivates you to let go of your sin. I got to hurry. Why? Why, pastor? God can handle each one of your situations simultaneously. Amen. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in thy weakness. Paul is saying my strength, my my infirmity calls me to go to prayer. And now I am saying that my strength is made better because of my issue. People don't want to talk like that in the church. They want to act like everything's hunky-dory all the time. That's called pride. Get a grip. Because the quicker that you get a grip and say, here it is, God, I'm prideful. I know I'm prideful. All I want to do is give it to you. Then God steps in. Now, I ain't talking just to you. I'm talking to me. I hope you all know that. Get a grip. He says, most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I may have a thorn. I may have Satan. I may have his messengers. But as long as I'm praying, I'm better for it. Amen. And so guess what grace has? Power. Well, there we go. We finally got to the power. There's power in the grace. It's divine provision that comes with the grace of God. How do you know when you're accessing the grace, pastor? Because I don't think that I've told you. All of this sounds good. But how do I do it? How do I access the grace? Or how do I know that the grace is going to be within me? I'm getting there. Okay? You know that you're experiencing grace when you've been strengthened in the midst of the thorn. In the midst of the irritation, in the midst of the splinter, in the midst of the infirmity, in the midst of the sin. When you continue to be strengthened in the midst of the problem, that is God working on your behalf to get rid of the issue that, listen, is so irritating to you that you don't know what to do. Are you hearing me? All this sounds great. But God has to access the thorn in order to give you the need for grace. If you don't need grace, then God can't show abundantly for you, can he? Some of us don't think we need grace. So then he has to give a thorn. But see, 
this is my problem with this whole study, is that Paul is discussing this, and the issue has not disappeared. Do you notice that he says, it's a thorn in my flesh and I can't get rid of it. And Satan is buffering me. He's continuing to move on. He's continuing to aggravate me. However, he's continuing to pray. This is Paul. And so he's gaining the power of God in the midst of the trouble. It's God giving you fresh strength to handle your circumstance and your infirmity, to deal with your problem so grace can work in your life. Are you hearing me? That's why I love this scripture. Listen, Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Even the young shall faint and the, be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Are you hearing me? See, we find that God gives us three ways of strength in this understanding. Number one, he takes you out of the situation. That's what everybody in this room wants. When you're in the midst of the struggle, you want out of it. I want out. Get me out, right? I want to change my socks. Get them off of me. That's how I was as a kid. I don't want the splinter. Get rid of the splinter. I don't want it. Get it out of me, whatever it takes. If you got to slice me open, get it out of me. That's what everybody wants. Number one, he takes us out of the situation. Number two, you run and not get weary. You're running, you're still dealing with it, but you're moving forward. So it's okay because you can handle it because it's almost as if the issue is behind you, even though it's still with you. That's the second issue. Runners know about this. You can tell that I run all the time. I'm real slender and thin and good looking and strong and amen, right? Runners know this one thing, that when they run miles at a time, that there is a time, even if you're the best runner, that when you're running, that you lose all your strength and you lose your breath in your lungs. But if you continue to run, they get what's called the second wind. See, everybody, you're a good church. When you get the second wind, when you're running and you feel weary, but you continue to move forward, that's what God wants you to do. When you take a step back, you're giving a Satan a foothold on the doors of your life. And listen, as soon as he gets a foothold, he is not going to relent. He is not going to let go. He is not going to back up. So don't back up. Don't give him a foothold. Don't let him in your life. Are you hearing me today? I can preach until the cows come home, but if you don't get a hold of it, we're going to stay in the same situation that we're in Lord help me three you walk and not faint nothing changes God changes you say what I'm saying that the situation still looms over you but you change the only way that the situation can be fixed is you being changed that is the three ways in this scripture that God will take care of the thorn of your flesh amen you go to the bus station you're running in a hurry to get to the bus station, you know, scratch the bus station. Let's say the airport, because I've been to the airport. I can talk about the airport better. 
When I get, sometimes for work, I have what's called a connecting flight. First of all, this big boy does not like to get on planes. Because every time I get on the plane going in the air, I look over and I feel like I'm going to die. And I think any moment, the windows, I, I think crazy stuff, the windows are going to be sucked out of here. And all of a sudden, my fat body's going to get stuck in the window because I'm too big. And all of a sudden, I'm going to be ripped in half. And I'm going to fly out 10,000 feet and five, five or six days later, my feet are going to hit the ground. You think I'm kidding. That's the kind of stuff I think. What if a terrorist takes over this plane? I ain't even on the plane yet. I haven't even checked into the first gate. What if a terrorist takes over this plane? And I start praying, dear Heavenly Father, God, please help us right now. I pray that there's no terrorist on my plane. God, I pray, bring down the heavens today, Lord. I mean, I go into straight up prayer because I am scared to death of planes, but I have to fly. Right? You want to get to the Shekinah glory with me? You want to get some healing? I guarantee that God's healing me when I'm getting ready to get on a plane. You come on down, you'll see the Benny Hinn of getting on a plane. I'd have just camp out around right there by getting on a plane because I'm telling you what, baby, God would heal everybody. Because there ain't no prayer I ain't played before I get on a plane. Now listen, when you go to a connecting flight, because I'll keep on with that stupid stuff, when you go to a connecting flight, sometimes you've got five minutes. And you have got to hurry with everything that's in you. The moment that I get off the plane, they've got my luggage set in there because I take what's called the business route. They got all my luggage set in there. I grasp it all up. I put my bags on my back, my suit on my back, and I'm running to try to get to the next place. I'm weak. I'm weary. I'm packing all of this baggage. Can anybody give me an amen? How about giving God an amen? We packed baggage for years, and we refuse to let it go. We packed things that we never had to hold on to and we're running with everything that is within us to let it go and we still keep it strapped to us as tight as we can get it and we're trying to make a five minute flight called heaven and we're never going to make it because we won't let go of our brokenness we won't let go of our sin we won't let go of our issue we won't let go of our problem and so we carry it trying to run to the next situation one time Brian I was running Trying to get to the next flight, going to Chicago. Why I had a connecting flight going to Chicago, which is only four hours away, is beyond me. But I did. Here I am running with everything I am. Got all these bags. And this lady standing there says, sir, sir. And here I am. I'm just trying to hurry. And I'm like, what? She says, do you know that your bag has wheels? I'm like, oh, yeah, it does. You're right. And so I set the bag down. And I'm like, well, praise his holy name. Because I can run with a bag that has wheels. Right? Now listen. My baggage did not change. Did it? My, my, I, the way I was holding it did. The baggage didn't get any lighter. But my situation changed because God's grace is like giving wheels to your problem. You know, listen, Red Bull gives you wings. Well, grace gives you wheels. Hallelujah to his name. We need to post that stuff. I got to hurry. The weight didn't change, but the suitcase did because I was able to roll it. Now, there's another way to know, and Paul gives us the understanding in 2 Corinthians 12.10. He says this, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, 
in necessities, in persecutions. What did he say? I take pleasure in persecution. Anyway, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. <laughs> Boy, I'm telling you what, sermon series number three. I'm made strong. It becomes easy when you give it to God. Because through your weakness, He makes you strong. Well, Pastor, are you losing your mind? Because right now where I stand today, in my situation, I don't feel strong. Because you have an access to grace. You're too busy staying stuck in the problem. You're still too busy going on in the same scenario. You're still too busy holding on to the luggage when all of you got to do is go and wheel it. Amen? How do I get the grace to be active in my life? You ever ask yourself the question? Because I've taught this, this will be the third message on this. How do I allow the grace to be active in my life? Now remember, I told you at the start of this whole shebang that grace cannot be earned. Do you remember me telling you that? You can't buy it. You can't work for it. You can't even beg for it. It is given to the saint for free. How did Paul access the grace in this understanding that he gives us in the Word? The Bible says that Paul needed the grace because he was being driven crazy by the messenger of Satan or the thorn in his flesh. 2 Corinthians 12, 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. He besought. This is a serious prayer. This is not one of those prayers. Don't look at her. Look at me. This is not one of those prayers that you just sit down and pray. Like, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for my Big Mac. And I appreciate the fact, oh Lord, that you king size my fry. I'm talking. He got down on his knees and he prayed three times with fervor and fire. He cried. He spit. He shouted. He screamed. He asked God to help him. He did whatever he could do. He was at the end of his rope. He was to the point where he was probably at a whisper. Besought. It means to ask with urgency, with fervency, and to implore with everything in you. Can you imagine being at the end of your rope? Let me tell, you, let me tell it to you like this. You were standing about 10 feet away from someone that is going to kill your child. And they say to you, if you can give me a reason not to kill your child, if you can give me a good reason, I'll let them go. You would fall down on your face. You would beg. You would plead. You would cry. You would do anything that you could do because you wanted to take your child home. Why? Because that baby didn't deserve that. That's the place that Paul was at. It was a fervent prayer. He says, come on, God, 
please, God, I pray, do something. Now, in order for you to get this understanding of the theology of three, because the Bible said he besought the Lord thrice or three times. You have to understand that the Bible teaches theology in numbers. The theology of three. The most well-known number in the Bible is the number seven. It is the number of completion. When God talks about the number seven, He's bringing something to completion. Are you hearing me? Now listen. If we want to really understand this, we have to go to the book of Revelation. Because God talks about seven judgments. He talks about seven churches. He talks about seven bowls. He talks about seven vials. God uses the number seven in Revelations because it is the last book and God is completing what He started. Everybody is scared to death of the book of Revelations. We don't want to read it. We don't want nothing to do with it. But I want you to understand that God is saying the number seven is being used. There's the, there's the dragon with seven heads. I want you to understand that God is saying I am completing what I started in Alpha in the beginning and I will bring it to pass because I said it. So the number seven is being used all over the book of Revelation because that tells us He is completing the work that He started in us and we are going home to meet the Lord. Now, so I'm about done, but I want to talk to you about the number three. Number three is somewhat like the number seven, but there are several differences. The number three is the number of fullness. It involves a beginning, a middle, and an ending. It's where you start, it's the middle of where you are, and it's where the fullness ends. You are complete when you get full on the number three in the Bible. Now watch, to give you the understanding, Jesus died on a Friday. On Saturday, while his body was in the grave, he preached and led captivity captive. Is that true? Sunday, he rose from the dead. Three days, three nights. So when we talk about the resurrection, we are literally talking about fullness or completeness, just like in the number seven. But there has to be a beginning, there has to be a midpoint, and there has to be an ending. When we see that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, I want you to understand that three days and three nights, Jesus quoted the scripture three times. He said to Satan, before, before Satan left, God said this. He said, find this. Cons oh, where am I at? You've got to get this. He said to Satan. Oh, you got to know this. Anyway, I can't find it. I've lost my notes. When Paul prayed, he prayed three different times. When you see Jonah in the well, he was in the well's belly for how many days? Three nights. But that raises a question of fulfillment. How do I know that there is fullness? Have you ever asked yourself that? Because if the number three is what God, what Paul's talking about here, how does the, how does, is there fulfillment? For this thing I besought, 2 Corinthians 12, 8. The Lord three times that I might depart, that it might depart from me. Now what does verse 9 say? It says this, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient. My, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly before thee will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may be rested upon me. What I want you to see is those five words at the beginning of verse 9. And he said unto me. The, there is your answer, church. The moment that you begin to talk to God and you real not realize the fulfillment of the grace or the fulfillment of the grace is when God speaks to you. Thank you for joining us today. If this message has uplifted you, we would love to hear your story. Go to www.renovatelifecog.com and click contact. Your testimonies are a blessing to us throughout the week. Renovate Life is a place of healing for the lost, the broken, the weak, weary, and stray.